Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Jesus is going to come back from heaven with us. Hallelujah. Say, Pastor Mark, never been to Israel. Oh, you'll be to Israel. You're coming back. It's coming. And he's going to come down on the mountain in Jerusalem. That's why we keep our eyes on Jerusalem. Remember that day that he was that he went up to heaven? The angel said to, to the disciples, why are you standing here? Jesus went into heaven. The same Jesus went into heaven is coming right back to this place. And he's not coming as fully God and fully man. He's coming as fully God that time. And he's going to rule the world. He's going to rule the world. How will loving God and carrying out His commandments make my children, my family, my friends know that I love them? It's simple, really. When God created this world, He not only set the standard for how we should live in relation to Him, He also set the standard of how to live in relation to one another. It all boils down to love, a word John used in three verses. We're to love each other unconditionally as God has loved us. Sounds hard, sounds impossible, and John claims that God's commands are not burdensome. Pastor Mark will remind us that it's all done through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, with part one of our message entitled, Right Belief Leads to Right Living. You turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5, and I want you to remember this word all today. It's the word overcomer, overcomer. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, okay, the word for today, say it with a smile, is over. Now we're going to take a little travel back. How many of you remember in school something called a chalkboard? It's not an iPad, it's a chalkboard. Now, what was one thing you hated about a chalkboard? Now, why is that so bad? We've discovered scientifically the frequency between 2,000 and 4,000 megahertz hurts our ears the most. That's what it is. Ah! Now, let me ask you, compared to that, how about this? Which would you rather have? Ah! Or... A nice whiteboard. How many, how many go for the whiteboard today? Have a nice week. You say, Pastor Mark, are you somehow going to connect that to the Bible? Yeah. It has to do with a word called, has to make, the key word today is? Overcome. So it has to do with overcoming. And we're going to see what that looks like. You turn in your Bibles already to 1 John. Now, when you see today... That scratching on the chalkboard was horrible. But the smooth writing on that whiteboard is good. So we're going to see today obeying God's word. Which is it? 
grievous and hard and a burden and cruel, or is it like the whiteboard? It's okay. It's good for us. First John chapter 5, verse 1. All of our campuses, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Four keys for you to write today. Number one, if I'm going to be an overcomer, I have to, number one, I have to believe right. I have to believe right. John says every person can know, every person can have assurance that they're saved. And he uses the word believes. The word believes means to be persuaded, to place confidence in. You see, belief matters. What you just saw on the screen, Israel, when they saw that plant in the desert, they didn't know what it was. So they investigated it. They they gathered intel. They, They got proof of what it was. You see, every decision we make is involved with what we believe. When they discovered it was a nuclear reactor, then they understood this truth. Look at this truth. Write it down this morning. Correct living is rooted in correct belief. What is true? You see, once you know what's true, belief isn't just in the head. It's an action. It's an action to follow through. Once Israel discovered what it was, there's more parking places in the desert today because they wiped out that which could have destroyed Israel. See, believing is not just something, again, that happens in your head. It starts in our head, obviously, but it involves the mind. It affects the heart. And eventually, like you saw, there's some action involved. Would you write this down at all of our campuses this morning? Those of you watching online, believing is an action word. If I'm really going to believe, it's going to produce in my life as a Christian obedience. Now look back at that verse. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus' last name isn't Christ. The focus is on what a person believes about Jesus the Christ. It means the anointed one. It means the promised Messiah who came to be the Savior of the world. This title, Jesus Christ, this title was well known by every Jewish person in those days. They knew that it spoke of the prophecy of the promised Messiah in their Old Testament. So the Old Testament of scriptures are filled with things about Christ, just as they are about prophecy. And the Old Testament scriptures would describe what the Messiah would be like when he came and what he would do. What John is saying is, if you believe Jesus is the Christ, the promised Messiah of the Old Testament, then, then you have to believe some other things. Then you got to make sure you believe it. See, lots of people today will say, well, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, he's a good guy. No, 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 that's not Jesus the Christ. That's not the anointed one. And let me just give you a few. I don't have time, and I don't want you to copy them down. But let me just show you some things. If you're really a Christian, these are core values that you absolutely must believe because they're out of the Old Testament. Number one, Jesus is virgin-born. Emmanuel... God with us. I personally do not believe you can be a Christian if you don't believe in the virgin birth. And here's why. If Jesus wasn't born of the Holy Spirit, then he was born of a a man and a woman. Both had sin natures. 
But Jesus wasn't born with sin. He had no sin. Impossible. So you have to believe in it. Number two, Jesus is a sacrifice for the sins of the world, not just for Israel, not just for America, of the whole world. For those people in Iran, Egypt, uh, Afghanistan, Russia, for the whole world. He's the savior of the whole world. That's right. God so loved the world. That's why he came. Number three, Jesus resurrected from the dead. If the Jesus you believe in died for the sins of the world but not resurrected, then that's not the Jesus of the Bible. His resurrected power is what's going to resurrect you and I from the dead when we head to heaven. Next, you must believe that Jesus is not only God, but is the Son of God. God sent His only Son. He is God. He is the Son of God. And last, sometimes we don't understand this, but someday Jesus will rule the nations as mighty God. Now, where is he going to do that? After the tribulation, start of the thousand-year reign, Jesus is going to come back from heaven with us. Hallelujah. Say, Pastor Mark, never been to Israel. Oh, you'll be to Israel. You're coming back. It's coming. And he's going to come down on the mountain in Jerusalem. That's why we keep our eyes on Jerusalem. Remember that day that he was, that he went up to heaven. The angel said to, to the disciples, why are you standing here? Jesus went into heaven. The same Jesus went into heaven is coming right back to this place. And he's not coming as fully God and fully man. He's coming as fully God that time, and he's going to rule the world. He's going to rule the world. By the way, there'll be no stopping of government because he is the government. Who cares about Obamacare? We'll have Jesus care. (laughs) Hallelujah. And don't email me. I'm not against Obama. Forget it. The Republicans are just as dumb anyway. Everything's crazy in this world. Could I hear an amen? I'm waiting for Jesus. Forget the government drunk. All right. Now we're here. We have to obey them. So don't write me another email. I don't have time. All right. I'm just glad Jesus is coming back. Amen. Turn to John, John chapter one. Now, if that's the Jesus you believe in, how did it happen? How did you become a Christian? John tells us how. John chapter one, Vieira and Sebastian, the work camp. Watch it this. Verse 12. So we'll see things you have to do. Yet to all who received him, Jesus, so you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he's the Messiah. Those, some of those things I just showed you. You have to receive and believe. Actually, you have to repent, believe, receive, and become. He gave the right. You can't earn it. It's a gift. He gave the right to become children of God. Now, being placed in the family of God, Jesus used the term, so we use it, you must be born again. It's a spiritual birth. And then John tells us in verse 13 that the spiritual birth doesn't happen happen this way. Notice, children born not of natural descent. What does that mean? You can't be born again by having Christian parents. If you and I can be born again by having Christian parents, if it's like osmosis, I'm set free because my dad was a pastor and my grandpa pastor. I'm going to heaven, baby. (laughs) That didn't make any difference at all. I have to receive him. I have to repent. Then he goes on. Look at the second thing. Nor a, a human decision. This one's hard sometimes for us to understand. You can't will yourself into being a Christian. You see, the Bible says... You can only come to Christ when the Spirit draws you. 
lot of people have this totally wrong in the way they do evangelism. If they can back a person in the corner, got them. No, you let the Spirit open their heart. Jesus said, unless the Spirit draws you, you can't come to the Father. So, does the Spirit want to draw you? Yes, He does. But you can't. A lot of people say, well, I'm going to come to Christ, and that's because they have the wrong idea about obedience. We'll talk about that. I'm going to come to Christ when I die, just before I die. You have no chance. You have no idea. You might not even be able to breathe. And you can't come to Christ just when you decide to. But when the Spirit begins to draw you and speak to you, some of you aren't Christians yet on our campuses, He's going to be speaking to you starting right now. So you listen. You can come when He draws you, but you still have to make the choice. And last, one that sounds a little strange to us, notice. He says this, not by human decision or husband's will, but born of God. What that means is, not by the will of man. It would be nice if a pastor could save you. In other words, if I just stop right now on all the campuses and say, who isn't saved, raise your hand. Good. And I'd come out and grab all of you at all the campuses and the other pastors, and we'd just bring you right down here and say, get saved today. How much good would that do? Zero. You can't become born again because of the family you're in. You can't decide it. God has to draw you. And no man... See, if I can convince you by nice words, crying story, Satan will unconvince you with his way. You have to make a decision yourself. That's why the Bible puts that right there for us. So understand, every person must individually trust Jesus Christ for eternal life. It's a gift. It's a gift. You can't earn it. It's not a reward for your good works. It's just that. At the end of the service, some of you today will hear the Spirit, and you can choose to become a Christian. Now, go back to 1 John chapter 5. There's more. Look at verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone loves the Father. Everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. And this is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. If I'm going to be an overcomer, number two, write it down. I have to love right. Not, not only do I have to believe right, but I have to love right. I have to love God and others. This is the, the, the last of eight times in the book of John. You heard it over and over again. That we may know. That we may know. That we may know. That, that's why our series of First John was called Know That You Know That You Know. John says the way you can validate if you're really a believer is you believe right and you love right. John is constantly talking about the very things that you have on your bracelet. The two greatest commandments. Love God and love people. Now let me show you how that works. Here's a triangle. It's a triangle of love. When I come to Christ, I came to Christ because first, we learned this a couple of weeks ago, God loved me. So I love God back. But that's not the end of it. If you're a Christian this morning, then you're going to love other people. First, you're going to love other Christians. And you guys are doing so good. You've involved yourself in community groups and study groups and small groups. That's why God designed the The church is not man's kind of thing he came up with. God designed the church. That we would gather together. We would learn together. We'd fellowship together. You're doing that. It's great. But it's not just Christians. These people involve other people. I don't know why God didn't do this. What if after you become a Christian, within three or four months, God gives every single one of us a 10-minute trip 
to hell. Do you think that would change our view of the lost? Hello? I don't know why. I mean, he tells us plenty about it. But guys, our neighbors, if they don't know Christ, they're going to spend forever in hell. That's why we do this. It's not something we have to do. We do it because we love God and we love people. Why are we doing the Fall Fest? So we can have a hot dog out here, a Holy Ghost hot dog. No, we're doing it because we want the world to say, and these Christians love each other. They have like a fun time together. This food is what, free? You're kidding me. No, we're not kidding you. So understand, this love has to be in action. It's a follow through. It's not just something, oh, I love God. I'm not getting in a small group. I love God. I would never serve. Why would I serve? It's going to cost me. No, that's exactly the wrong thing. So understand, if you're going to be loving God, you're going to love people. And you're going to be hanging with each other like you guys do. Fantastic. We don't have free coffee this week, but you're still hanging together. Good job. Good job. Verse 2. By loving God and carrying out His commands. So all of a sudden, John says, if you love God, it's going to be more than just love you. You're going to carry out his command. Look at verse 3. And this is the love for God. To obey his commands. And watch this. This is where the board comes in. This is where the chalkboard comes in. And his commands are not burdensome. So number three, if I'm going to be an overcomer, I have to believe right. I have to love right. Here's number three. At all of our campuses, I have to obey right. My obedience has to be joyful. I obey because I know it's good. So there's a direct connection between love and obedience. We have three enemies. The world, my old sin nature, and Satan. All three of those want me to look at God's commands as negative and restrictive. All three of those things. My old sin nature, when I see a command of God, my old sin nature says, well, I don't need to obey God. That's not really good for me. I want to do what I want. Now, sometimes we miss what was really happening in the church. Remember, John wrote this letter to many churches. Now, why would John write this? You need to obey God, and obeying God's commands is not, watch, It's not horrible. It's not burdensome. It's actually good for you. Why would John have to say that? Because that's what people believed. You see, initially, those people he was teaching, many of them were Jews. 613 rules and regulations. It got worse and worse. It became burden. Nobody could ever keep them. But we come into the New Testament... And it's a whole different story. And so John has to say to them, wait a minute, wait a minute. You have the wrong belief about obeying God. His commands are not a burden. They're not grievous. They're not cruel. They're not bad for you. They're not restrictive. In fact, just the opposite. So let me ask you a question right now. Let's just take a moment to chill out. Here in Melbourne and Sebastian and Vieira, how do you view... The commands of God. Well, Pastor Mark, give me the command, I'll tell you how I view it. No, 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 I'm talking about the commands of God from beginning to end. How do you view it? Do you view it? Or do you view it like this? If you view it as negative, restrictive, definitely 
a burden, something you have to do because you're afraid if you don't, God's going to punish you, then you'll never enjoy your walk with God. That's why John wrote this. That's why he said, don't you dare look at God's commands as difficult, horrible, against you, restrictive. You see, if I have to obey God, forget it. I won't most of the time. Because it is a burden. Now, I want you to write a little formula down. I think it'll make a lot of sense to you. Here's a formula. Write it down on all our campuses. What is biblical obedience? Kind of a little sem- summary here. It starts with love. Since God loved me, then I'm going to love him back. And you'll see in a moment, we have to, you have to have an understanding this morning that God is a loving heavenly father. He wants nothing but good for you. If that happens, then I can trust him. If I can trust him, and I can trust that he wants good for me, then I'll obey him. But you have to understand, love, our obedience starts with love, knowing that God loves us. We need to know that God, like a father, wants nothing but good for his children. Our love for God then makes me want to trust him. And when I trust him, it's a pretty easy connection between obeying him. A few years ago, Lynn and I were visiting uh, Yellowstone National Park. How, how many have been to Yellowstone? Let me see your hand. Good. We were like there in June and it was still snowing. I'm thinking, Lord, thank you. I'm for Florida. Whatever. But we were there. And as you know, in, in many par- parts of that place are these uh, hot geysers, scalding hot water just coming up from the ground. And uh, there's all these paths among them. And there's these signs everywhere. Beware, don't get too close, whatever. So Linda and I am walking and smelling the sulfur and kind of enjoying whatever's there and just being a little careful standing back. And out of the corner of our eye, and I don't know how old this, uh, this boy was, I think something like uh, six years old, we see, this, we see this young boy and he's, let's just say this is one of the areas and here's the bubbling hot water. He's just walking up close to it and he's walking down to another. He's taking a look really close to it. And Linda and I go, well, here's what Linda and I did. Where, where's the parent? See, this little boy didn't know, he didn't have any clue it was dangerous. God will never let that happen to you. That's why he gives us commands. Well, I don't think that's dangerous. He knows it's dangerous. And so his commands, you have to understand that God loves you. That's why he gives us commands. That parent, by the way, that parent finally showed up. That boy could not do life alone. You can't do life alone. Those of you that are not Christians yet, you have no chance of success at life. Zero. You are made not to do life alone, but only with God. You can't do it. It will not work. You say, it's working fine. No, it will never work again. Never. Guaranteed. From God's Word. He loves you. So He would never allow those things to happen to us. He loves us too much. He simply knows. But now, here's the problem. God will never force you to obey. He'll give you a choice. God designed obedience as a personal choice. Pastor Mark went through six simple truths about Jesus today. If you're a Christian, these are six core beliefs about God. It's very important for all Christ followers to believe these truths. These truths produce true obedience. Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus is the sacrifice for the sins of the world. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus will return and someday rule all nations. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Now here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 6124. And the title of this message is Right Belief Leads to Right Living. Again, today's message number is 6124. And the title of this message is Right Belief Leads to Right Living. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we continue learning about the commands of God. God didn't give us His commands to be a burden on us. They weren't meant to be negative, difficult, or burdensome. Then you'll never enjoy your walk with God. They were given to us to bring freedom and peace. He wants nothing but good for us. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of 1 John. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your lessons for this